I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome back to the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show. I'm Buck here with my man Clay Travis and we... Uh, we are fired up about this idea of the Lululemon battalions, moms who are going to stand up and say no more of the masking and the silliness, the glass part or the plexiglass partitions in schools and all the rest of it having to do with COVID. We might come back to that topic later on in the show, but we wanted to uh, to shift now our focus to the uh, national security and, and political front for a moment here. As you know, things in Afghanistan are deteriorating very rapidly, even more so than some of the somewhat pessimistic assessments were saying just six or or 12 months back. Almost half the country now, according to Long War Journal, which follows us very closely in effectively Taliban hands at this point. Um, we've got that issue and also the continuing violence in the streets in Cuba. And what should the U.S. do there? I want to bring in our friend Sean Parnell right now. Sean Parnell is a former Army Ranger he was a combat veteran in Afghanistan, author of a great book, Outlaw Platoon, on his time there. And he is also a candidate for the uh, United States Senate in Pennsylvania. Sean, my friend, great to have you with me and Clay here. Hey, Clay. Hey, Buck. Thanks for having me. I heard the music, man, uh, the lead in. I- I'm in the big leagues now, man. This is awesome. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, I-, I know you were a longtime Rush listener, man. So we yeah. we-, we appreciate you coming here to. To join. Did you ever think you'd be calling in to, to, to that music on your own? No, no, absolutely not. But it's cool to be here with you both, and I'm excited to, to be on the show. Tell us, tell us Afghanistan, Sean. You fought. You were there. You had brothers in arms beside you. You lost guys in your platoon fighting against the Taliban and fighting against the Haqqani Network and the various factions there. What do you make of what we're seeing right now? Yeah, well, sadly, it's predictable. You know, I I think I'll tell you this and I'll tell your listeners this. I think the war was won in Afghanistan back in 2006 and 2007 when we were there. You know, our mission was very, very simple. Find Osama bin Laden and and forgive me for sounding crass, but kill the enemy. And in doing so, uh, you would thereby secure the Afghan people. 
and allow the Afghan government the time and the space to effectively govern their people. The, the strategy that we implemented back then was a counter-terror strategy, like mostly focused on what we call direct kinetic strikes, going after the enemy, hunting them down, and keeping them in the mountainous border region between Afghanistan and Pakistan. Now, somewhere along the way, after our 485-day combat deployment, uh, we shifted strategies from counter-terror to counterinsurgency. And this is all around the time of the Iraq surge. You remember that, I'm sure, when folks on Capitol Hill were debating weapons of mass destruction. Are they in Iraq or are they not? Well, General Petraeus had taken the, He implemented this counterinsurgency strategy during the surge during the Iraq war to great effect there. And I think he sees the initiative in Iraq. But then what our senior military leadership at the Pentagon did, along with, I think, General Petraeus, with the best of intentions, tried to implement that strategy in Afghanistan. And the problem is, is that counterinsurgency is based on nation building and, and a host nation coming into a nation that already exists and help them establish a sort of Jeffersonian democracy. Well, the problem with that is, is that, and I'm sure as both of you know, is that Afghanistan can barely be considered a, a nation, let alone one that can effectively host another one. Um, in fact, Afghanistan is, is mostly tribal. You know, people. So what border, do we look? Sorry to cut you off, Sean, but what do we look okay. like? In, and I appreciate you coming on. What do we look like in Afghanistan a year or two years from now? Will it be as if the United States had never gone into the country in the first place? Three months from now, it will look like that. And yeah, it, it's it, the Taliban has all the momentum right now. I mean, if I could wave a magic wand, right? If I were somehow advising President Biden on how to handle the Afghan uh, conundrum right now is you've got to keep you've got to keep a small force of kinetic operators there. I mean, if it's me, the whole reason we went into Afghanistan was to keep that country from becoming a petri dish for terrorists and find Osama bin Laden. Well, we found Osama bin Laden. But the last thing that we want is that country to go back into or fall into Taliban hands. Uh, and, and allow terrorists freedom of maneuver there in, the, in that mount, mountainous border region it's where they can conduct and plan attacks on America or anywhere else. But I keep a But you think that's effectively of, what we're going to leave behind yeah. is after 20 years yeah. and nearly a trillion dollars, we got Osama bin Laden, but in theory, Afghanistan is going to be capable of creating new generations of Osama bin Ladens, and we basically haven't accomplished much of anything. Yeah, that's exactly what I think. And I, I think in three months, tragically, we're going to go back to square one. And, and look, I understand the nuances of the strategic decision to withdraw from Afghanistan. I understand that most people and, and most Republicans' hesitancy with full-scale withdrawal revolves around what are we going to do about the people that are left behind? And we're talking little girls who went to school to learn to read based on the American promise that we were going to protect them or little boys or kids or even in adults who came to work on our forward operating bases, hey, trusting an American promise that if you work for us and, and help fight for your own freedom, we'll be there for you. I get that. Every one of those people that worked on American bases or little girls that went to school will have a target on their back. There's no question about it. But I also think that leaders in government, as military leaders or senators or congressmen and men and women, they need to also understand that we have an obligation to families in Western Pennsylvania or Pennsylvania who send their kids over to the fight. And that obligation is what's the mission? What's the clear cut end state? And I think probably for the last decade, 
if you went to a different forward operating base all along the Afghan-Pakistan border and ask, asking a young American private what the mission was in Afghanistan, they'd all give you a different answer. And that's problematic. And when the mission isn't clear, it causes hesitancy on the battlefield, and that hesitancy can cost lives. And so I understand the humanitarian component. I would say it, it is time to leave, but we have to make sure that we do it in the right way. Sean, you and your brothers in Outlaw Platoon fought and bled, and you, you lost some of your guys in this war over there. Is pulling out now the right move? I think, I think it's time to go. I think we've lost the, the initiative. Uh, but I would also say, you know, I think, and I think President Trump's plan back, you know, when he was president was to leave a, a small residual force to go after the worst of the worst. I mean, the whole intent of that would be just to have somebody there to keep the enemy guessing, right? You're not talking thousands of troops, but just like Delta, SEALs, Rangers, special operations forces that if you find a high value target on the border, you go get him, capture, kill him, and you just keep the enemy moving, right? That way, they're not able to settle down and plan and attack and export terror around the world. But yes, I, I think it's I think it's time to go. We just have to make sure that we do it the right way. We're speaking to Sean Parnell, who is a combat veteran of Afghanistan. He was an Army Ranger, and uh, Outlaw Platoon is the book he wrote, a, a memoir he wrote about his time over there. Um, Sean, uh, let's pivot to Cuba for a moment here. What do you think the U.S. U.S. role should be, if if anything, uh, more substantial than what we've seen from the Biden administration, which I think we could all agree is flimsy? Well, I mean, the Biden administration can't even bring themselves to con- uh, condemn what is a hostile communist dictatorship in Cuba. You know, I think the highest aspiration of people all around the world is freedom, true freedom, the ability to chart their own path in this world. And I think that the Cuban people have had it. I think they want that. And I think to the extent that we can support that freedom, I mean, there's Cuba is like, what, a hundred miles from Florida. They're essentially our Southern border. Like we should support that. Um, and so it's very concerning, but what blows my mind is that when, when, when Jen Psaki is asked direct questions to contend, to condemn a communist dictatorship, she doesn't do it. And like, if, if our leadership is not – if they don't have the moral clarity to be able to point to our enemies and say, you are an enemy, right, of not just the United States, but of freedom and of free people everywhere, if our leaders don't have the moral clarity, you know, I think the world will suffer and I think our country is weaker for it. Sean, how many people we, – we've talked some about United States intervention in Cuba and what the right move is and certainly providing the Internet and non-physical – activity the mayor of miami said that he wanted to do airstrikes you were in special forces how many special forces soldiers do you think it would take to go into cuba like just hypothetically given the skill set that you guys have we saw what just happened in haiti how many people would it take from united states special forces to overthrow the cuban government well, I can answer that question, but I was I was a conventional infantry guy. I was a ranger qualified guy. Worked with special forces all the time, and and I'll tell you what, like those those dudes are superheroes. You could probably go into Cuba. I mean, special forces, Green Berets, their mission they specialize on foreign internal defense, Clay, and so you could probably send one or two special forces teams into Cuba, and 
they could take down that government fairly, fairly well, how many do how many guys would that be you say superheroes those guys are badasses there's no doubt about it how many how many guys would be involved in that i mean the force structure of the special forces has changed over the years i think when you say a special forces team you're talking two teams of eight you know they could wow. infiltrate into the country and work yeah. with indigenous populations to train them right and and the hope is, is that the indigenous population of that country would then go after Rise up. the government, right? Yeah. And so you could you could probably do that. I don't want to say easily. Easily is the wrong word, but we have that capa- We have that capability. We'll have to see Pretty what ends remarkable. up happening from the Biden administration on this one. Certainly don't have the stomach for that. I remember when the Obama administration wouldn't even send conventional munitions like anti-tank weapons to our Ukrainian allies against Russian-backed separatists. So I, I wouldn't hold <laughs> right. anyone's breath on biden deciding to uh, to get deep into this one but sean always great to have you my friend thanks for joining us and uh we'll, we'll we'll talk to you again soon all right yeah thanks buck thanks clay this was awesome being here you know clay when, when we come back I mean, we mentioned the uh the administration Biden administration and they he did finally have something to say about communism yeah which i'm sure you know you know it's kind of like some of the Democrats, as he's saying this stuff, you could tell they're like, like they don't they don't like it. You know, he's taking a little bit of a, a weak shot, but a shot at socialism and communism. And he's not supposed to do that because the Democrat Party is basically the socialist party. But well, not only that, he had to do it, Buck, because Jen Psaki bombed on a question about how to respond to communism in Cuba. I mean, that's why he had to speak out. Yeah. So we'll come back into the, what they oh, an AOC had some things to say. We'll get a lesson in in life from, from AOC in a moment here. But, you know, we were just talking to Sean Parnell. He's a veteran of Afghanistan, and we still have so many folks who paid a tremendous price, and their families continue to pay that price from the wars that we've fought. You know, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation helps us keep our commitment to never forget. And this year, the foundation is honoring Gold Star and fallen first responder families with young children and catastrophically injured veterans and first responders with 200 mortgage-free homes. Chairman and CEO Frank Siller is paying tribute to the fallen by walking from the Pentagon to Shanksville and then on to Ground Zero. That's more than 500 miles through six states in 42 days, the month of August, Clay, through 9-11. Yeah, and Buck, Towers of Light are going to shine at the Pentagon and Shanksville Memorials in remembrance. And the names of those lost to 9-11 related illnesses are also being read aloud at a ceremony on September 12th. And on Veterans Day, the names of those we lost in the war on terror will also be said out loud. Do good and help America to never forget. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T. Org. Giving big tech a headache 24 7. Join us at Clay and Buck on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Communism is a fail system, a universally fail system. And uh, I don't see socialism as a very useful substitute, but that's another story. So there's Biden. Finally saying communism is a bad thing. It is kind of funny if your job is spokesperson and of all people, Joe Biden has to clean up your mess. You probably bombed on that question pretty badly. Uh, and, and I still think we played this yesterday. I still think that Jen Psaki talking about the work that they're doing with Facebook. I think she's kind of falling apart there at the uh, at the briefing uh, desk. They might need to bring in another 18 year old singer 
uh, Olivia Rodrigo or whatever her name was to uh, to try and get the administration's message out in a more effective manner. Can we also just compare, for example, the way Biden's like, yeah, you know, communism's it's not great, you know. I mean, it's kind of you know he's he's talking about communism like it's like it's a little bit of a a cloudy day or something. Yeah, he's like, oh, I thought we'd have sunshine, and when he talks about. Voter ID laws in Texas. He's like, they're trying to destroy the country. It's like the Nazis are invading our shores. I mean, you can see the the ire, the rage that Democrats can summon against their political enemies exceeds anything when it comes to actual enemy ideologies, groups, nation states around the world. It's not even close. It, It is wild to think about that Joe Biden, was it on Tuesday? came out and said that voting rights was the biggest threat to this country since the Civil War. And almost no one said, you know what, that's insane. Like, the right? I mean, we came on on that Tuesday. I mean, think about how much has happened in a week that Joe Biden came out and said voting rights legislation is the biggest threat to the nation since the Civil War. And I think we came on this show and said, you know, the Nazis, kind of a big threat. Uh, The Great Depression, kind of a decent threat. All these things, and yet that story just kind of vanished. I mean, Clay, there there was a telegram between the Germans in World War One and Mexico about an alliance where they would have carved off the lost parts of Mexico, you know, places like Texas, <laughs> and given it back. I mean, we've faced a lot of challenges since the Civil War. I don't think having to show ID for your mail-in ballot, which you have like a month to do before the election, I don't quite think it's up there. I don't think it's up there with the internment of Japanese Americans. I don't think it's up there with the imprisonment. People forget Woodrow Wilson imprisoned people for opposing the war, World War One, and the draft. People actually went to jail. You know, the First Amendment didn't count, apparently. There are also anybody who has ever studied history... I know. And again, he said this is not hyperbole. This is like he's trying to make that as literal fact. And so many people just accept it. And it's all madness. But this is where we are, where we have to get multiple days in order for the president of the United States to say communism is bad. And also imagine like Ronald Reagan, if during one of the press briefings, he would have immediately fired anyone on his staff as well he should who was asked the question is communism bad and they didn't just say yes it's also I mean, such it's crazy it's such a bidenism to to say no exaggeration when he is exaggerating or to yes. say you know or, or to say as he did <laughs> my favorite biden line in that speech too was i'm not telling you to be scared well, you should be scared. <laughs> yeah. It's like this is this guy. It's reason number three thousand five hundred and seventeen why he's just not very bright. But, you know, this is who they've made president. This is what we all have to deal with. And uh, and, you know, we, we do have. Can I transition to speaking of not very bright? We have AOC also weighing in on, on this one in a moment. We'll get into that. I mean, you know, Biden, you know, Biden's not a commie. He's a whatever the Democrats need him to be. AOC is a socialist. I mean, that that's very obvious. She can call herself whatever she wants, but she is supportive of socialist ideology, socialist regimes. If she had her way, America would leap toward some of the very same policies you've seen in places like Venezuela that have destroyed that country. You know what destroyed Venezuela? Social justice and price controls. 
It, it, it's it's really unfortunate, too, because I'm not sure what AOC has to pull off anyway. We'll talk about that in a second. Yeah, we'll, we'll first, get into the AOC situation in a moment. But, you know, if you've learned anything since 2020, it's that there's nothing quite as important as a powerful immune system. Over 20 years ago, naturopathic Dr. Dennis Black invented Texas Superfood. That's right. Texas Superfood is the original superfood. I've known Dr. Black for years, and he's hooked me up with my supply of Texas Superfood. It's amazing. 55 vine ripened, uh, vine ripened, pardon me, fruits and vegetables, plus probiotic and digestive enzymes, so you can build your body's defense from the inside out. Texas Superfood boosts your immune system better than anything on the market. You know how your grandma told you to eat your fruits and veggies? But, you know, you're busy with your schedule, right? And fast food's everywhere, and, oh, it tastes so good, all that sugar and salt. Put it down, everybody. Put the Texas Superfood into your diet. It's the safety net for the American diet. If you can't, won't, or don't eat all your fruits and vegetables every day, Texas Superfood was made for you. Start boosting your immune system for under $2 a day. Go to TexasSuperfood.com slash buck or call 855-TEXAS-55. That's TexasSuperfood.com slash buck or call 855-TEXAS-55. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is James Golden, or Boast Nerdly. I hope you're enjoying the podcast series Rush Limbaugh, the man behind the golden EIB microphone. There's a dozen episodes that will remind you of the greatness of Rush with so many amazing stories shared. I'm your host of this series, available wherever you listen to podcasts. My Pillow and Tunnel to Towers Foundation are both sponsored. Welcome back to the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show. I am Buck. I'm here with Clay. And we mentioned to you 
Ms. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, uh, who has finally weighed in. There was a bit of silence, a deafening silence, if you will, when it comes to the crackdown. And there's video circulating men in government uniforms, all in black, bludgeoning people out in broad daylight in the streets for the crime of protesting and wanting freedom. No, they, they don't just want shortages to end. They've had shortages for 60 years. This is Cuba we're talking about. They want freedom here is what Ms. AOC had to say about the situation. One of the things that we want to make sure that we communicate is our solidarity with the Cuban people. And what's extraordinarily important for us to communicate as well is you is the is the actions and U.S. contributions to the suffering of Cubans on the island as well. And that is directly related to the embargo, the U.S. embargo, like other U.S. policies particularly other U.S. policies targeting Latin Americans and Latinos, the cruelty is the point. And I outright reject the Biden administration's defense of the embargo. So there's AOC, uh, as she says, outright uh, rejecting the policies of Joe Biden. But here is what I think is one of the major choices that has to be made, Buck. If you disagree with a government, you have to decide whether you are going to isolate and reject the choices that that government is making or whether you are going to bring them in closer to you in the hope that that proximity is going to lead to change. And this is interesting because China, we tried to do the latter and it totally failed. We saw Barack Obama travel down to Cuba Go watch baseball games with dictatorial uh, leadership there in Cuba. And that also failed. And so I think we're left, you know, with the carrot and the stick diplomacy. It's really the stick that's the only way that's going to work with Cuba. Is that a crazy approximation of those situations in general and the way to go about improving the life for the people who live there? is that you have to make a choice from one side or the other. Yeah, I mean, the Obama administration decided, uh, excuse me, decided that they weren't going to, uh, they weren't going to do what had been done before, which was to demand certain basic concessions about human rights, and and that was the price for normalization. So they said, all right, we'll just give you stuff. Cuban regimes intransigent will give you stuff. But, but part of what I think is so just... It's not even a little bit surprising. It's it's annoying and it shows you what we're dealing with with the uh, Democrat left in this country is that the problem right now on the island of Cuba is the Cuban government to to focus on American government policy for the last 60 years. I mean, this is what the left always does, right? Oh, you know, why why was Syria in the midst of a vicious civil war where the Assad regime was murdering its, you know, murdering its own people in large numbers? Oh, well, let's talk about, you know, the British and French mandate in the in the Middle East and let's talk about the history of what happened in, you know, 1917 or whatever the case may be. No, right now you have commie thugs bludgeoning people in the streets and shooting them because they're illegitimate. They should not be the government of Cuba and the American government apparatus and people with platforms should speak that basic truth without this throat clearing about, oh, but, you know, the the embargo for all. No, no. Enough of the embargo crap. This is about Diaz-Canel and his army of, of thugs 
not allowing people to have basic human rights and decency. And look, I mean, if I had my way, if the Cuban people wanted, you know, if they wanted to get armed up and I were in charge, I'd say let's start dropping big crates of M4s and see what happens. It is fascinating that the Democratic Party is so enthralled to the left wing. This is why Jen Psaki didn't want to condemn communism, because she didn't want to open up the door for the AOCs of the world to finally decide to speak out and blame, of course, United States policy for 60 years of failure in Cuba. And there's a lot of talk about uh, the, the, the great health care system, right, from all the left-wingers and everybody else. You know what they do is they take the doctors and the nurses that they produce in Cuba and they send them to other countries. And, you know, Biden actually talked about this. He said for the AOCs out there who are wanting for the embargo to be less significant, they don't want to share the COVID vaccine directly with Cuba because there's not a belief that the real average Cubans are going to get those vaccines. They might be sold elsewhere, right? Uh, They would certainly go to the elites. But this whole fundamental broken communist government i feel like so many people like aoc are so young and they have such a poor understanding of overall history that they've bought into a totally misguided suggestion and idea of what communism represents it's easier i think for those of us who lived through in some way the cold war Let's see what uh, Miguel in Miami, uh, excuse me, Miami, Florida has to say. Miguel, welcome to Clay and Buck Show. You're talking to Buck and Clay. Good afternoon. Yes, I would suggest as a Cuban, uh, 70 years old, I've been in Miami or in the U.S. since I was nine, I would be perfectly fine with a uh, second Bay of Pigs. Yeah. I mean, that that is what we kind of talked about, Buck, is you can sit around and say we're lending support, but is there any way to actually get a tangible result different than what we're seeing right now, which is the Cuban government putting uh, you know, its, its, its boot up on the throat of the average protester out there, kicking in the door, putting people in prison? I'll mention again, Twitter has no issue whatsoever with a communist dictator using its platform but they won't allow the president of the United States, Donald Trump, while he's still the democratically elected president of the United States, to be using their platform. Miguel, thank you for calling in, and, and we appreciate it. I just say, Clay, that the the U.S. psyche is still so scarred by the what is considered the Bay of Pigs fiasco. And look, it was, it was a fiasco insofar as it was a, a massive failure, that if we had not already done that, I think there would be a much greater public stomach for this at least to consider some kind of action but when you add the legacy of the bay of pigs to our least our recent legacy of u.s military intervention in the middle east notably iraq afghanistan to a lesser extent syria and then you add this biden look there's another part of this that we have to keep in mind the biden administration is staffed with people who don't hate the commies in cuba they don't hate the regime (laughs) and you know that that really does matter you know they don't you know, they at least now despise like Putin and his government because of the, you know, Russia collusion. Russia fantasy. collusion yeah. Right. But but they don't hate Diaz Canel. They don't think of these guys as brutal butchers, which I mean, the Democrats, they just simply don't. A lot of them don't. And so that factors into, I think, what they're willing to do. But, you know, Clay, I, I've got updates just as we're talking here. You know, you're going out to L.A. You're going out to Las Vegas. 
I've got some updates on the mask mandate dominoes falling. Can we can we come into it in a minute? I, I want to let some folks call in and tell us what they're planning. Do we want to take L.A. and Las Vegas specific calls? Yeah, I think we just uh, let, let's focus like let's just go ahead and X out. We're going to geographically request one particular call. I want to know we're going to talk about Las Vegas and what might happen there. But for L.A. people, we 100 percent know you are being required to wear masks again starting late on Saturday night. How are you going to respond? I want to hear from people living in L.A. County listening to us right now specifically. And in the meantime, Buck, Michelle in Arizona wants us to know she originally purchased Relief Factor for her husband, but she decided to try it also. She cleans houses. She's 65, and she is regularly aching doing to do this. She had almost immediate relief buck. It made a tremendous difference for her. My wife is using Relief Factor. It's making a tremendous difference for her. Your dad, he's outwaging a war against Parr, and it's making a big difference for him. Yeah. Lately, he's gotten a couple of bogeys out there on the course, but he gets back into it. He's going to get some eagles. I'm telling you, you got to stay in the fight on that golf course. But my dad's been much better off since trying Relief Factor. It's been really helping him a lot. Relief Factor is a 100% drug-free product which addresses joint pain, knee pain, hip, back, neck, shoulder, you name it. It was created by doctors and based on scientific research. So Relief Factor helps your body reduce pain and inflammation, the kind that's associated with aging, exercise, and just everyday living. Relief Factor goes to the source of inflammation. Hundreds of thousands of people have ordered Relief Factor and about 70% of them go on to order more. Join the more than half a million people and order the three-week quick start for only $19.95. Just go to relieffactor.com. Again, that website is relieffactor.com or call 800-4-RELIEF to get the $19.95 three-week quick start developed for you. Go to relieffactor.com. Just under 20 bucks here, folks, for the three-week quick start. 800, the number four, relief. That's 800, the number four, relief. Feel the difference. Welcome back in. Clay Travis, Buck Sexton, rolling through the Friday edition of the program. I want to encourage you, as always, make sure you go subscribe to the podcast. A lot of you I know, you're running around, you're busy, you can listen to the program 20, 30 minutes at a time here and there. Why not go ahead and make sure you have access to everything? If you type in my name, Clay, or you type in Buck's name, all you need is the first name. That's a good sign. Boom, podcast comes right up. You click subscribe. You've got access to everything. Had a lot of great interviews, a lot of great segments so far this week. Uh, and we have already got almost 15 hours in the tank. You're going to be on a drive. You're headed around somewhere for uh, your summer break. Why not go ahead and subscribe? So search out Clay Travis. You can search out Buck Sexton. You can go follow us on social media at Clay and Buck pretty much everywhere. Now, Buck, we talked about to open the show. The insanity of Los Angeles reinstituting their mask mandate. And the question we asked, and I think it's a big one, and I think it's a good one, is how could this spread as we move across the country now that L.A. on Saturday night is reinstituting the mask mandate? By the way, if it's so dangerous, why would you wait like three days to reinstitute the mask mandate for indoors, whether you're vaccinated or are unvaccinated? And, Buck, you're following... Some of the recommendations right now, literally in the wake of that determination, which was made yesterday, there are other areas that are starting to inch towards their own mask mandate, including Las Vegas, 
in Orlando, Florida. Yeah, so this is what we're going to see, and I, I want everyone to be aware of how this is going to play out. In Los Angeles, they're saying, as of Saturday, have to mask up. Stores, therefore, businesses could be fined. There's a liability. There's state force behind this. You must do this. It's not a recommendation. And that's going to mean that even people that realize how stupid this is are going to say, sorry, sir, sorry, ma'am, can you put a mask on? But in other places, like Los, well, Clark County which uh, in Nevada, which is where Las Vegas is, they're issuing guidance for masks in crowded indoor public spaces. And even in Orange County, Florida, they're they're issuing a strong recommendation for having to wear a mask in crowded indoor spaces. Clay, they're playing games here because what this means is that the Democrat, either county or city officials in some states, even states like Florida, where they've said we believe in freedom and science and rationality, they're not mandating it. They're going to recommend it. But what the recommendation is, is a symbol to the mask maniac private sector uh, people, people that run businesses, people that you know, run Disney World or whatever. Oh, well, if the mayor is telling us we need to require masks, we're going to make that choice now to require masks. So it's basically a backdoor. It's just a backdoor mask mandate. That's what these recommendations are. Well, and the problem with this in general is this all leads to masks everywhere that has had mask mandates of a serious nature. That's the problem with L.A.'s decision. Once one place decides to do it, it's like dominoes. And personally, I'm going to be in L.A. next week. The week after that, I'm going to be in Las Vegas. And the week after that, I'm going to be in New York City. Buck, I think I'm going to be the domino. Like, I'm just going to be jumping from one city to another that requires masks. I think by the time I get to you uh, in New York City... I think that everywhere in New York, you guys are going to have to be back in mass. Well, I'm hoping that you're going to be lighting fires, so to speak, to get all the Lulu moms, the, the Lulu mom <laughs> battalions together. First, we started. We shall fight them on the beaches of of Santa Monica. Yeah, we, we need shall, church. We need the Churchill of anti-mask. We, we will fight them on the beaches of whatever that big lake outside of Las Vegas is. I can't remember, but it's very large. You know, like that's what. What's the name of the lake? There's a huge lake outside of vegas what is it lake, lake mead. mead thank you yeah anyway i messed up my own i was on a churchill roll but i couldn't remember the geography for a second but that's the thing clay we got we got to actually get people in places where this fight is going on to understand they got to say no or, or else it's going to keep going it doesn't it, stop when we allow it to stop we have to make it stop and we're going to talk about this to start off the third hour we want only la area people to call in what are you guys going to do what are conversations that you are having with your friends and family like because remember all the all the uh, the the fauciites out there all those who embrace fauciism were told oh california did such a phenomenal job responding to covid that we have beaten it we have done we have followed the science and now, after nearly a year and a half, you're right back to indoor mask wearing. So what is the response? What are you going to do? L.A. only. We're opening up L.A. County. I want to hear from people in L.A. County. 800-282-2882. What is your response going to be now that this mandate is going into effect tomorrow night in Los Angeles? 800-282-2882. Plus, Buck. We have got some other craziness that's going on. 
Uh, in the world of sports, the Yankees game against the Red Sox was not allowed to be played because six vaccinated players for the Yankees, including Aaron Judge, if you're a big Yankees fan, were not uh, tested positive for COVID, and now they're basically having to shut down Major League Baseball games still. And what now, in the world is going on there? And now I'm going to have to shut down Buck watching any NFL games with his two brothers and yes. his dad, because that's usually what we do, because the NFL, you know, Clay, you say go uh, get woke, go broke. Some of these sports leagues clearly are not seeing it that way yet, because the, the NBA, their NBA is already off my list, as I've said. Now the NFL is saying... They're going all in on social justice messaging, on playing the the uh, so-called black national anthem at games. What happens if people kneel during the black national anthem? Oh my god, is that disrespectful? The mere, the mere suggestion is it's so. By the way, doesn't is that super it doesn't matter? To even think about you could be kneeling for like the greatest cause imaginable. You kneel during the black national anthem, racist. That's White guy kneels during the Black National Anthem. That would be considered disrespectful, Of right? course. Yes, but no. The exact but opposite of what we've been told, that it's heroic to kneel during the U.S. National Anthem. That's going to be a crazy story to follow. Uh, but when we come back, L.A. County, load them up. 800-282-2882. We want to know, how are you and your friends and family going to respond to the new mask mandate that goes into effect tomorrow we're going back in time it really is back to the future except nowhere near as good as that movie which by the way still fabulous still holds up well and we're going to hold up well third hour next you're listening to clay travis and buck sexton on the eib network Jack Armstrong, he's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on, but we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 